Good afternoon. Thank you all for joining us again for episode two of our three-part interview with author Robert Lee Johnston. And his debut novel is Tribute. It's a, a book about orphans. It's a book about love. It's a book about tribute. Uh, an Australian township with mountains of rainforests, pristine rivers, and a filthy secret. <laughs> Welcome, Robert. How are you? G'day, Georgie. I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Sorry about the weather today. It was all sunny when you arrived, but now it's all overcast and raining. It was lovely when I came. The sun was out. The deer were out. Yep, we got crocodiles. Yes, there's a couple of crocs and the dogs were running around happy. And Yep, turkeys and geese. The uh, radio technician bought his, uh, what do you call those things? The drone. The drone. Bought. Yes. So that we was, got a nice photo of the The crocodile. dogs didn't like the drone, did they? No, they were going off. I've never been able to get that close to a crocodile for a photo. So didn't phase him one bit. No, he wasn't worried at all. So yeah, I reckon you would have got some good photos photo. today. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be keen to see them. Excellent. Well, we expect them to see you on your Facebook page, perhaps. Okay, I'll do that. <clears throat> so, part two. Last episode, we talked about how you came up with the book and the themes within the book. Yep. And it's just about you as an author, being this your debut novel. Yep. And so, I thought this time, perhaps, would focus more on the book itself. Okay. The characters, uh, the villains, mm -hmm. the children. And the animals that you capture in the book. Okay. Sounds fine with me. Okay. So uh, let's start with bugs. Bugs. Oh, should we kind of finish with bugs? Didn't yeah, we? So, yeah, yeah. So now nah, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of, you know, bring them back into the picture. Okay. How did that name come about with bugs? Oh, well, that's actually a female friend of mine. Um, she believed when she was younger, after her parents told her she ate more carrots, she'd get big breasts. Um, so she was constantly eating carrots all the time and checking each day how much her boobs had grown. And I thought that was just a wonderful nickname. So I've used um, Bugs, the female, and so uh, hi, Bugs. Thank you for letting me use your name. And, and did it work? Did it work? Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd let her say that. But they grew. <laughs> she was a child when, when this happened. So, yeah, she, she blossomed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the main character, of course, is Cozy. Mm -hmm. Wild, defiant Cozy. Mm -hmm. Kind of mate that you would like to have, except that he'd probably turn a drama into more of a drama sometimes. Yeah, Cozy's one of these characters that has the ability to um, get offended by what you are even more so. If someone hurts you, he'll be the guy out there backing you up or uh, fighting for you, which is great sometimes. But It's, it's kind of that mate that will defend you even if you're wrong. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> where it can get tricky, you know. He uh, he he defends too many people. But, um, you know, it's something that's common with a lot of group of friends. You know, there's the loud one, there's the quiet one, there's the timid one. Um, so Bugs is quite interesting in that, you know, he uh, he has a few of those sort of personalities in himself. It was um, the, the story itself of the children is is a remarkable story, despite of what they go through. Thank you. It's a story of how they overcome or maybe in some case, um, you know, don't quite cope with what's happened to them. But it is, it is their story. It talks about their dreams, talks about um, their future and 
and it talks about that love they have together as well, family, how they bond together. Um, because uh, Australian boys generally, <clears throat> throughout my generation, uh, adopted their friends as family, and you know uh, anything they did together was probably more so than what they did with their own brothers. So. That had to be shown as a real important part of it. So the boys, for the people who haven't read the book, so that's John Henry, there's Cozy, yep. there's Bugs, yep. and there's Kenny. That's right. And and so even with the girls included, Jenny and Evie, you, you sort of work out that these kids haven't got any um, real direction with love and friendship and stuff like that, but still they manage in such a beautiful way. No one's ever shown them how to love or be loved. So they figure it out for themselves. And despite the situation they're in, which is um, Dickensian. Um, what do you mean by Dickensian? Well, it's larger than life. And, and you know, the draconian characters, they're, they're evil to the core. And that really helps uh, mystify the children a little bit more because they, they have such a big, large part of their life that... Um, Still, with all this hatred around them, they managed to find love and discover out, discover friendship and all these all these things that they had no right to really discover. Well, I have to admit that I had a little bit of a crush on, on John Henry. John Henry. Was, there, was that meant to be like that, that he was a little bit of a heartthrob and um, and perhaps um, a bit, bit Mills and Booney? Can I just read a little bit in, in this, in this book? book oh, I've got the book out. <laughs> I'm just going to find the right spot. But um, something about his dreamy eyes. Okay. The way he melted, and um, oh, I just got to find the bit actually. But how did you do that with with a character like that? How did you make him attractive to to, to females? Well, I, want, I just wanted him to be commanding, and so he had a beauty of his own. Um, he was at a time in his life there where he was still quite innocent, so he still had the the, the beauty of youth on his side, and uh, I wanted females to fall in love with him and that's that's really kind of hard because beauty to a female is uh individual henry's eyes would remain brave a sunset of melting chocolate and soft down feathers <laughs> that's lovely yeah thank you um <laughs> but he, he it's making me blush a little bit <laughs> um you seriously had a crush on him he smelt like the boy angel who fell from heaven. My <laughs> girl would not fall, fall in love with someone like that. That's, that's, that's nice. Um, but, yeah, he he's uh, a good figure in there because he's the one that, that stayed level-headed throughout the he whole thing. this boy. Yeah, that's right. And and that's the sadness with any death with, or anything that happens to children that are young and, and, and they've got talent, you know, the, the what-ifs and the what could have been. And, of course, he was the... There was my dogs barking in the background. Um, he was the shining light in those boys, if you like. Uh, you know, their uh, touchstone with common sense. And uh, so, he was perhaps the only boy in there that did have the common sense, didn't he? Yeah, he had a, he had a really good heart. And and all the children have got great hearts. Kenny's got a great heart. Kenny's got. He was my second favourite. Was he? Well, well, Kenny'd be happy to hear that because he he actually exists and he gave me full permission to use his character in the book. So I keep it pretty true to life with Kenny, and and uh, so he's exactly as I've written. And thanks, Kenny. Hey, Kenny. Thank you. I hope you're listening. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and 
and his character is wonderfully innocent. Um, I like how he runs away from situations, like from girls especially. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's been renowned from that all his life. He was a very cute kid. So, you know. You want to squeeze his cheeks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and kids have done that since we were, you know, eight years old, nine years old. Girls used to send their minions over and, you know, get them to meet girls in the music room and uh, poor old Kenny would wander in there and get kissed and nearly have his head ripped off by all these beautiful women. And, and it was he, like the story of Evie and Kenny. Exactly that, except it wasn't Evie. There was a girl at our school and, and Kenny still rubs it into us all that, you know, he, he kissed her and we didn't. <laughs> Good on you, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't run away from that one. No, no, but he, he also panicked and crapped his pants a little bit too. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> and those, those outbursts of Kenny, that, that, well, we don't want to say too much about the real Kenny, but uh, these outbursts, they... Well, they're true to life. Um, you know, everything could be all quiet and Kenny will just come in and be at full volume and and <laughs> in tangents that you just wouldn't recognise or know where the hell he came up with. So so it's a real beautiful thing and it, it quite often keeps you on the uh, edge of your seat. And, and, you know, Kenny's anything but dull when it comes to coming up with different subjects. So I, I tried to... Uh, have a character like him, you know, because he's very honest when he gets loud. So. Sounds like he's highly entertaining. Yeah, I, I enjoy his company, yeah. And, and I've known him since I opened my eyes. So, you know, um, he, he's always been there and been around. I could just picture him running away like Johnny Depp does in the Pirate of the Caribbean, you know, the arms up and, and on his little tippy toes <laughs> running away. <laughs> very, very good description. You know, he had dreads. He looked like Johnny Depp before Johnny Depp did. <laughs> Is he as good looking as Johnny Depp? Well, that's subjective again. You know, <laughs> but I, I don't think he struggles in the girl department. Now, talking about girls, we spoke about Evie a little bit. Yep. Evie's a, a strong character. She's she's like the John Henry of the girls. Yeah, and I decided early that I needed uh, some powerful women in this book, and it was a really big challenge for me because I'm not a woman. And um, You did well there. Thank you. It was a real struggle, and, and I threw a lot away because I wasn't confident with it. And um, I mean, you don't get to know much about Evie, but I, I guess you can sort of interpret what she's like from her actions that's or right. her inaction, perhaps. Yeah, because cause Evie's the quieter one in the background, and she's she's the thinker and not the talker. So you know, most of the dialogue that you'll see in there is 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 rare with her talking. You know, she's the one listening all the time. And you can really sort of feel her anger and her disappointment in Cozy in, in, in that scene where they're in the courtroom. Yeah. And, and that's where you start to see a little bit more about Evie. She was always just the, the okay. one that, you know, that doesn't get noticed. Well, and was that purposely done that way? Before peer pressure and stuff like that. But uh, she just wasn't susceptible to that. And, and so she saw how scarred the boys were and, and how unforgiving they were. And she knew she could go down that path. So you could argue that she saw where that was going to take her if she kept continuing down that road. And she was the one smart enough and with her loss, she needed to get away and, and she always was going to get away. And there's a motherly element to her too, perhaps. Very much uh, that is part of her. She has that mother goose in her and, and, and that's a very feminine trait that I know with a lot of my friends. And, um, you know, but she's also got that roughness that, that makes her especially Australian. And she was a really good contrast, I guess, to, <coughs> to, to Jenny. 
you know, beautiful, delicate, Jenny, girly. Yeah, and the feedback I'm getting from fans is, you know, they love the girls and that. And she was the youngest, wasn't she? Yeah, and and she, um, you know, we're getting lots of males reading, and oh my god, I just wanted to grab Jenny and pick her up and run away with her and protect her and take care of her for the rest of her life, and and. Um, and that's all she wanted. She 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 really she wanted. wanted someone to love her, and but it was also her biggest fear because she'd never seen or known it or trusted it. So, um, you know, her her tortured mind was her own, and and it had came from, come from tortured places, but she couldn't see outside it. And that's where Evie is so beautiful in her own way because she she has a different mind altogether, and it's a mind that shouldn't rightly be there. Um, she's been through the same traumas, um, but she's got that fortitude and that intestinal gut feeling about things. So um, I'm, I'm really happy that people are responding to the women characters because I, I did want them to be powerful in their own ways, and, and I think they are. The, the response I'm getting from people has, has been good over them. So with Cozy, mm-hmm. the main character, Cozy, mm-hmm. is he like you? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a lot like me. Um, um, yeah, the line between fiction and, and, and truth there probably gets a little bit blurred at times. And he was hard to write because I had to face a lot of my own demons in that. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, writing flowing through me, that sounded a bit cliche and is a bit cliche. And I apologise earlier for calling you Giorgio instead of Georgie. It's a slip of mine. Um, but... <clears throat> Sorry, I forgot what we were talking about. So with Cozy being the defiant character that he was, oh, yes, um, he gets himself into these situations and it almost seems like he's looking for trouble. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> last week we talked about how you personally like friends who are different from you, friends like Bugs okay, who, who, yes. who, who do like to to stir things up a little bit, it sounds like. And and, and, and with Cozy, it almost seems like he needs an excuse. He was the soldier. He's the soldier. He's, he's the one that wants to fight everyone and everything. And, and um, you know, hatred is a big part of his life. It's it's a massive part of his life. And he's, he's too caught up in it all to realise that it's hatred that's powering him and hatred that's, you know, making him feel terrible and, and have to do these things to people. And it's not someone at war that you would send to sign a treaty. No, no, <laughs> Cozy, no not at all. Cozy's the person you send away to the pub while that's all happening and hope he gets too drunk to remember what day it is. Um, but in saying that, he's, he's predictable. And there's a beauty behind that. Predictably and unpredictable? Predictably unpredictable. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's a dangerous place to live in and and we've all been there in our lives and had to make that situation but he chooses to live in that moment and uh that makes for interesting reading and and you can really see that in those boxing scenarios that we Uh discussed or that the the book brings up yes the fight scenes he was just a born warrior he was born to fight and he lived to fight Mm. and um and blood 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 was his friend well and, and that's because, um, you know, he's a product of his environment. Uh, everything he had, you know, it doesn't say it in the book, but you could imagine once you start to read about Cozy and both, they fought for everything they had. They had little, um, everything, their names was, wasn't even theirs. You know, these, these things made them fighters from the start. And not that they were necessarily born to do it, but 
Cozy relished the role and, and he found himself born into it. And being the eldest, he, he, he had that protection that all elder siblings do probably have over their youngers, you know. And perhaps he put that pressure on himself as well, being the oldest, that he should be the one to do something because exactly no one right. else is going to he, or he, no one else is prepared to. He himself to do things that no one else would and, and he could have turned the other cheek and, and looked the other way, but that's just not cosy. And and so that little code that he lived by or that little mantra that he run his life by, he couldn't live with himself if it didn't cross the board completely, if it was weak in this area, and it was hypocritical to his eyes. <clears throat> and... I think, again, that's a relatable character and, and it's flawed and it's, it's horrible and it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it makes for addictive reading and it makes for a, a wonderful character. Um, and it's so lovely that he was found in the rainforest too. Yes. So, yeah. um, I mean, the other character that we want to bring in now that we're talking about this scenario is Lacey. Late Kevin Lacey. Okay, yeah. Well, the lovely bloke that was just running one day and found this kid just running is that how you're going to say it? <laughs> <laughs> well he was just going for a lesson of his wasn't he he was a botanist well that's the story um, that we're going to stick with <laughs> yeah that's right um but he's he's a fantastic character because he's the guy that discovered it all and he's he's looking over from a distance but he's not really in the scenes and he's not really there but he's keeping an eye on things from a distance and waiting for a time to you know tell this story that's just so unbelievable and so heavy in so many different ways. And that, that, that Dickensian way, I guess, we'll bring well, that right. word back in, that, that sort of very um, mystical and, 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 and larger than life, you could say. Yeah, and, and again, saying it, repeating myself is that magical realism, you know, that really works hell well in transferring those ideas across. Almost know. like a bit of a fairy godfather who yeah. comes back. Yeah, exactly right. And, and and these have been used a lot of times in all sorts of literature, but I think I put a very Australian spin on these, and which brings an original spin. And uh, I hope that's not the croc that the dogs are growling at. No, that's the, they've got a bone each, so they're all being built. <laughs> but the, the, um, the crux of that is, I guess, that there's a little bit of each of those characters in all of us. And the father figure that he is, it's, it's very fitting because he's... I think Cozy wouldn't do well with a, a fatherly father, like a, a authoritative father. No, no. Cozy needed to be more his mate, but also a mate with a bit of wisdom. That's right. Well, Cozy didn't know what a father was, so he's kept arm's distance with men in his life. And where he has let men into his life, they've been beautiful creatures that are very harmless and, and, and very sensitive. And even though Car Cozy is the rough and tumble character there. He, he has a massive sensitive side and, and a massive um, understanding of language and, and how that language can be used to predict his situation and understand his situation. It's one thing to be in a hell of a mess and, and not really know you were in a hell of a mess. It's another thing completely to know the mess you're in and, and recognise and it takes bravery sometimes to recognise true trouble. Well, another father figure that was in the book that's not in the book would be Tom Waits. Tom Waits. I don't know much about Tom Waits. I had to YouTube him okay. and um, download some of his of his music. He's a different beast. He is. I, I'm. I'm. I think I'm. I'm getting. I'm getting round to to liking him. I, I can't say I'm a hundred percent fan. No. Um, I am a fan. Sorry. I mean, but I'm. 
I wouldn't say that he'd be my favourite artist. No, uh, but be warned, he he somehow grows he, on you. Yeah. <laughs> And even you look at him up, it's the start of a, a slight addiction that's going to start creeping into your life. He's he's so romantically poetic and he does one thing that I've tried to emulate in my book and that is write darkly about light things and write lightly about dark things. And he does that magically. He'll, he'll put a voice to a song that should be beautiful and a lullaby, but with the right amount of pain and sorrow, he, he turns it into something else. And I'm a fan of that. Uh, I, I can't tell you that I absolutely love all his stuff either. There's some new stuff that I can't get my head around, but there is a ton of stuff I can, and he touches a part of me that that no other musician can. I like what he did to Waltzing Matilda. Um, yes, yeah. and then I guess that's probably where Matilda's name comes from too. Very big part of that, yeah. Um, well, he is he is a big muse for me, and and. How he twisted an Australian lullaby, or not a lullaby, a, a national anthem for us into something slightly different, always piqued my attention. And uh, without the book, without Tom Waits' quotes and permission to use those quotes, I don't think it would be the same. And I think he felt the same too when he read it uh, and gave me the permission because it, it's so beautifully written. There's no other words I could use for those quotes. He's already he's already explained it so perfectly there. I can't add to the three sentences that I used of his to make them any prettier. And, uh, and his storytelling is... Second to none. Yes, it's, it's not just a song mm. about something. It's, it's a story. Yeah, and, you know, and he it? has that ability to sing from a female perspective with a male's voice and bring that little more depth and sorrow and pain into it. And not many performers can do that. No, um, they can't sort of pull it off like that, can they? That's right. We spoke before the interview about how he, he sings certain songs that just wouldn't work with other artists trying to pull it off. Um, but there's a there's a brutal honesty about Tom Waits and um, he doesn't care if you like him or not. No, that's and, true. And that was really the stepping stone that I took off on. You know, you can butter things up and you can soften the blow, but he has never. And I think it makes it all the more effective. It's kind of similar to Paul Kelly in that way where it is a story. It's it's, it's a yarn. It's, yeah. it's and and, and telling difference. it from 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 a female's point of view. Well, and the only difference between him and Paul Kelly is Paul Kelly is an Australian yes. storyteller, so they sound Australian, and Tom Waits is an American storyteller, so they sound slightly American. But once you sort of wrap your head around the themes, they're all universal. And you know, when he sings about a broken heart and you know the the truck breaking down, that's us in our HQ holding utes and our Toyota Land Cruiser. You know, it's it, there's a, there's a universe that effect there. And, oh, uh, I'm getting drooled on by yeah, this big dog. Away, away, Georgie. Here. Oh, is his name Georgie yeah, too? His name's Georgie. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's why I was a bit uncomfortable saying your name at first. But um, yeah, he's a giant. <laughs> I have just got drool all over. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yeah. And he's a little bit of a ladies' man, this dog. You see how handsome he is. Oh, he's lovely. <laughs> what kind of breed is he? He's a cane corsa. Oh. And uh, he's 80 kilos of womanizer. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to Tom Waits, sorry. Well, you know, and dogs in my, I'm um, just, as we're interrupted by Georgie, oh, yes. trying to remind me to mention dogs. Oh, yes. I, I've written a couple of dogs in there and the dingoes. And, uh, 
I love the way they've turned out and, and I'm getting lots of feedback from my fans that they love the dingoes and, and they love stirrup. So that's a dingo at the front of your book, is it? That's half a dingo face. It yes. looked like a wolf to start with because oh. I was thinking, oh, what, the, what does the wolf have to do with this man in the front? And Oh, yes, I thought at first it was a horror sort of yeah, well, a book. It's one of those covers I let it lets you make your own mind up. I don't like to tell people what, what is what. They can figure and make their own assumptions and it makes the book a... I feel it rewards the reader a little bit more when you have things like that, a cover that makes sense after you read the book. And um, I'm hoping that I've sort of reached that goal. It was a lovely analogy of the the pack of dingoes and, and the kids as a pack. Yes. And I couldn't really keep that out of the book. It had to be in there written like that because this cosy recognised that he was, in fact, a pack member. These, these family members of his... They weren't necessarily related, but they were a pack. And and that's just another word for a tribe or a gang or what have you. But Or a family. Yeah, that, exactly that. And and Cozy really woke up the day he realised where he sat in the world. And it was a dingo that made him see where he sat in the world. And, and it can be all sorts of things that make you recognise. Yeah, family. all those dingoes probably taught him a lesson or two, didn't they? They're... They, they, so. Their cunningness and their and their patience. Yes. You know, like Cozy had to bide his time. Well, and their viciousness as well. Yeah, when 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 the time was right. That's right. And and so that let Cozy be aware that the trigger does get pulled. It's just when and where you pull it. And, and he um he was shocked by them and he was scared of them and all those things. But he ultimately respected them and recognised something in himself there. And I think that really helped the boy grow. And perhaps it made him be less reactive and, and be a bit more thoughtful because the way they hunted wasn't just on pure instinct and on pure strength That's right. and power. It was... Eventually all that energy had to run out and he had to fall back on his n native instincts, his natural instincts. And so, yeah, I think that taught him to be cunning and, and, and to bide the time. And, uh, and, of course, he was a child. So he knew the time would come. It sort of proved to him that, yeah, it will come around one day. And uh, it just helped beautifully reflect the boy's soul too, you know, how beautiful it could be, but how terrifying it could be as well. well we've talked about all the nice characters, all the main characters of the book, so okay. we, we've got to talk about the baddies. The baddies. You well, can't have a good book without a good villain. And these are, these are sensational baddies. Um, Sit. Yeah, I don't like cliche baddies and I don't like baddies that come and go without a, without an impact. And, and these guys question your morals, question your sanity at times, question your thought processes, and I'm proud of that. Sid, the way yeah. him and Deirdre lived, yeah. I think that painted more of a picture than a description of them physically. Yeah. You know, the state of their house, the yeah. mouldy windows. The, the uh, multicolored stained lichen, I think was the phrase <laughs> that you used. Colored Dangerously coloured lichen. Dangerously yeah. coloured lichen. Um, and the flies buzzing around, you know. Well, it's almost like you were trapped in that house with the children and, and I wanted you to feel the walls against your shoulders being so close and the steam on the walls and the residual heat off the walls. And the couch... You know, that was, that was filled <laughs> with her sweat. Yeah. <laughs> that was repulsive. You can almost feel, <laughs> feel her sweat dripping through your pants now, can't you? And the way that the, the fabric of the couch stuck to her, mm. to her body as she got up, yeah. it just left a real lingering, oh. And the smell of all that was really important to capture as well. Because I had to have a shower. <laughs> After that first chapter, just, just also because it was, 
it really hit me like a like a dead fish in the face. Yeah. Um, I had to have a shower. Just just reading yeah. about Sid and reading about uh, Deirdre and reading about their their filthy, horrible, stinking abode. And filthy is the the choice word. They're they're, they're filthy people, and and uh, you know there's a a truth behind that filthiness. You know, it's it's a reflection on the 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 way their brain works, the inside of their heads, and uh, I, I think it works perfectly for them well you can't also have the bad characters just just being bad the whole time you know there has to be a little bit of a balance i think there's in some books some people they're so bad that you really don't kind of care about them that's right um that they could die at any time and you really don't care um with with sid not that you cared about him but but he sort of got under your skin that much that that his um Demise, can I say that without yeah. without without yeah. spoiling it, does still affect you. Of course, and there's a really sad thing with that is that Sid is so despicable and horrible that he's he's his character is all the way through the book even when the children are alone and out of his sight and there's still the shadow of him hanging around in the background you know they're never quite free of the thought of him and and that is a true evil person a person that consumes their victims minds 24 7 like a relentless torture and and it may just be water dripping on your knee like chinese torture but you know it's torture nonetheless and that gives him more power than he should have uh, because the situation with the other bad guy, Rev, um, he controls their lives. So what he lets them know and what they don't know uh, are at his disposal. So he lets them know all the bad, all the wicked, all the evil. And and the kids, they really got no choice in what they're hearing. So I think Rev is more evil than Sid. That's right. Well, he's the orchestra. He's the conductor, and and he is, he is the foulest creature you can imagine. Because unfortunately, he is eternal. He won't die. When people like Rev do, the next steps up to take over the throne. And and so this isn't a new evil. This is an ancient evil. This is a, a an evil that isn't going to go away tomorrow just because I wrote a book about it. Um, but it may give people some bravery and a little bit of hope. And 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 maybe a little support. That's a funny thing to say from a book, but seeing things from the victim's perspective can sometimes um, make people not feel alone. The, the reason that I found Rev ultra evil mm-hmm. was because of the way he could manipulate um, not just the kids, and but but also the perpetrators. He's, he's, he's almost like the um, uh, the, the Nazi. Um, not the Nazi, but the what do you call them? The, the dictator. The, not the dictator, but the the, the people who were in charge of actually um, orchestrating the, the people behind the, the machine. Yeah, so 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 they were the ones which were almost doing creating the propaganda yeah. and and brainwashing other people to carry out their their horrible that's right. sins. And that's, that's the true horror behind Rev. Is he in, didn't actually physically. Um, damage the children. No, he he could be uh, guilty of creating illusions, and and so. But without he, him, obviously, that the, the illusions the, didn't exist. Oh but yeah, the the the, the fear the trauma exist. didn't exist the trauma without him. Exist, and the trauma would have been a one-off if not for him, or maybe 
once or twice, but with him it was repetitive and it was recy recycled and rehearsed. So he he isn't a devilishly good bad guy. Uh, I enjoy writing those really bad guys. They're so horrific in your brain. You can't imagine these things. You know, you really have to dig deep. And he is not only an illusionist to the children, but to the whole town, the whole district, all his people that use his place of worship, all that sort of stuff. He's a, he's a magical character in the sense that he's the ultimate magician and um i like the description of rev here the tall sack of bespectacle chain smoking yellow fingered one-eyed shit um just ramming his toothy godly crap down the kids throats he was he was just ranting and raving and 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 going on about um about god but yet on the other hand he was obviously I think, for me, the most evil of all the characters in the book. Yeah, because he abused his power. And, and that's all bad characters really do is abuse power. And, and so the ferocity you want to attack that abuse at is up to the writer's discretion. And I wanted to – I purposely made him that way. It's not by a fluke that, that you're impressed by that language and, and impressed by that sentence. And it just shows the blindness of his faith as well. Um, you know, just as Sid didn't see the filth in his house when he lived there, he just got used to it. Rev's got used to this lifestyle, and and it's it's sickening, and and it's slightly addictive to to read about it because it does turn you off, it does turn your guts, it does challenge every emotion you have. But there's it's addictive reading. And before we move on from talking about these horrible villains, I got I got to read this out. This is this is Deirdre. Okay. Um, Deirdre smelt foul of a thousand wet assholes or a year-long homeless armpit. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh. and, and nothing can describe stinks better than a, a bit of a laugh, I reckon. You know, like everyone's got a favourite bad stink. And, and I think a dog's just farted. <laughs> oh, look, he smells really bad. I just pushed him away from the microphone. Oh, jeez. Um, he... Uh, what were we talking about before that Thanks. smelly? Oh, it wasn't that appropriate. <laughs> well, I've tried to capture smells too. Um, you uh, captured uh, it remarkably well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you got inspired <laughs> by your dog. <laughs> yeah, that could be true. But they, Sorry about the gagging. But they do uh, play a powerful part in your senses when you're reading. I, I love books that involve all your senses, smell and um, taste, of course. So um, I, I'm really happy that... I could talk about such a disgusting thing in that subjects, but still shine a little bit of a giggle in there as well. We're going to have to wrap it up 